listening to the Talk with the Wise podcast, a podcast where I talk with those who have lived more life than myself and ask them to share the wisdom they've gained from their experience. This was such a good conversation that we had to split it into two parts. You're listening to part one, so please enjoy and stay tuned for part two. All right. Well, welcome to the Talk with the Wise podcast. I'm your host, Ellie Andel, and I have with me today Dr. James Duncan, a communications professor at Anderson University, who's been teaching at AU since 2000, so 22 years. That's quite impressive. What have you learned in all of that time teaching? I've learned how to drive to, to the office. Uh, I know they're out pretty well after 22 years. Uh, Probably that you have to never stop learning, that you get this idea when you're a student, I'll, I'll be there four years or six years or eight, nine, however, whatever your plan is, and I'll have done it, and then I can get to start my life. And I know Anderson understands this, but not all students do, that part of a college experience, and it's also a way, I think, to make the most of your college experience, is most of the information that we're putting in your head falls out, Right. That's what it, exams tell us they fall, it falls out in about six hours. But when you, over the course of a couple of months or a couple of years, most of it's going to fall out of your head. But what remains is your ability to know how to learn that stuff right? so that you can pick it back up off the floor when you need to or go and find something new to learn. And that's, I think, one of the fun things about being a professor is you get to keep doing that for 22 more years and maybe more uh, for me. But yeah, you, you come to college not to, to memorize facts. There are some things you do need to memorize and things you need to know, need to keep in your head. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's possibly a little bit like exercising. You know, you go for a run, you, know, you start at home and an hour later you finish at home. You've gone nowhere, but there's a benefit that has come from that. And do you think that's what made you want to become a teacher is like the constant atmosphere of like learning? Not really. Uh, It was something I discovered I was good at, just the academic enterprise or academic work, which is something I didn't figure out until my senior year in undergrad. My first two years, my assumption was when a professor gives me an assignment to write, the professor wants me to tell them what's in my head, which has been put there by the professor. So tell the professor what I think he or she wants to know. And when I got to my final year, I don't know why, perhaps I'd given up caring. Uh, Rather than doing that, I was writing what I thought, what I wanted to say. And all of a sudden my grades went poop, right? They went through the roof and like, wow, who knew? Well, the professor knew all along, I guess. So. That gave me an indication that school was something not to be detested. I actually kind of liked that. And turns out I was good at school. So by the the end of that two years, like my grades, you know, I had a 4.0 at that point and that just started the school I was at, just started a PhD program in communication. At that point, I could, you know, the, the option was you could go into industry and work in radio but when you commit the time to do a phd basically what you're saying is 
you're going to be involved primarily in, in teaching and academics, uh, which is the route that I've taken. Any other like advice or wisdom to college students of like how to succeed well in classes and like get the most out of them and out of your college experience as well? Because I know this day and age, the college experience is kind of changing and people are uh, wanting to make it look a little different. So I didn't know if... Read. Uh, that's why I, what I would tell anybody. Uh, read and then second, go to class. But first of all, read. Uh, read everything that's assigned to you. As a, as a professor, having taught a whole bunch of classes now and graded even more papers, and there's a massive difference between... I mean, I, I don't follow people home and look over their shoulders, but I know who's reading and who's not reading. There's also a difference also. So, so that's a basically everybody can do that, right? Read, you've got a chapter assigned in a textbook, make sure you read it. Your professors are assuming that you're reading it. But there's also a difference between a reader and somebody who's not a reader. That a reader is going to, when they have an assignment, be able to probably read better because right? they, they're used to it. But reading should be a habit. And the payoff also, so people who are reading are going to know what's happening in the class. They're going to find the class much more interesting because it, it's deeper. You, you've got more facets of knowledge. But it also pays off in the writing. When I read papers to grade, I can tell. At least I tell myself I can tell. Right? But there's a massive difference between people who are clearly readers, right? people who spend time in books, and people who don't. I'm not a writing teacher. I teach some classes that involve writing. I'm not a writing teacher. Maybe they'd disagree with me on that. But I would tell people the best way to learn to write is to read. Right? Read good books. Read books that challenge you. Because what will happen is when you start writing, you'll get kind of an innate sense of what a good sentence looks like or what a good argument looks like versus writing a paragraph and looking at it saying, I have never read a paragraph as bad as this anywhere. Like <laughs> to have a little bit of self-awareness to say, this is really awful. Maybe I should clean it up. A reader is going to know that. And part, part of maturing is to, to develop your own voice. But there's also something in just knowing what a good argument, a good paragraph, a good expression looks like. It's how we pick up language. We, we learn grammar from listening to our parents talk to us and listening to our friends talk to us. I think we learn writing the same way is by reading. So reading has the advantage of making you better at expressing yourself. It has the advantage of just being exposed to a whole range of ideas uh, that you wouldn't have had yourself. I have something in my syllabus where I, it's not a rule, it's just kind of good advice. I say, you know, you should, you should be reading everything that's assigned to you. If you're not, reading your textbooks. You shouldn't be in this class or in this major. What are you doing? You're not here just to get grades. You're here to learn something. And the way to do that is by reading. And you should also be reading stuff that's not assigned. You should just be, just be interested in the world. So find a nonfiction, even a fiction book, but find a nonfiction book that you're interested in and you know, keep it on the couch or beside your bed or next to the toilet and read it You know, four or five minutes a day. But over the course of a semester, you might get through a couple of books that way. And you might be surprised at how useful those become. Right? That something that I'm reading here that I thought had no connection. Hey, that and that's going to be really impressive to you and to your professors that when work comes in kind of from out of the blue, but that you're connecting information 
together. And I think, I don't mean to, I don't want to be a scold on social media and the internet, but that's one of the harms I think of social media is that people read, people are reading a lot, right? But it's all, not to offend their friends, it's all junk, right? It's all uh, your friend's feelings or stuff that they're passing on. But one of the problems with that is that it's all really shallow. You know, videos, the same thing. Videos are even worse because I, I don't, videos are completely passive in how I take them in. But even when I'm reading you know, 140 characters and now it's 280, it's going to be one idea at a time. There's no contemplating. So I, I think when saying reading, yeah, people are reading a lot, but just like eating Cheerios throughout the day, it's not going to do me any good. I got to sometimes sit down and stop and eat some real vegetables and a real steak or whatever it is that that you you want to slow down and eat. I subscribe to to a you know online magazine or publication that comes into my inbox and various other other places where you know to to read it it's going to take me ten or fifteen minutes. I've got to find that time to to read it. But over ten or fifteen minutes, you give somebody a chance to make a much longer, more complex, more nuanced argument. This is the same for all of us. We generally read things we agree with. But when you're reading things that go to that length, I'm going to bounce into ideas I've never thought of, or maybe I disagree with and might argue with, but that's good itself. Even if I'm reading stuff I disagree with, it's reinforcing to me why I disagree with it. And I'm having to be challenged there. I know there's you know lots of advice to, that people give to students. So you should do this and do that and make time for this. But I would say, don't get rid of social media. Use social media to connect with your friends. Don't use it to find out about the world use more traditional law. It doesn't have to be traditional. There's plenty of, of, long, of long form writing that's in, you know, things like Substack and email lists and blogs that, you know, you, blogs used to be criticized for being, you know, too shallow. Now blogs are just too long <laughs> for people. I was like, that's so old fashioned now. But that takes discipline, I think, to, to do that. But the payoff is it'll make you a more interesting person. It makes the world more interesting. Uh, because you are reading ideas and histories and arguments that my shallow friends are not going to expose me to. Well, with that being said, I was actually going to save this question for last, but it kind of flows well with this. What kind of like, are there any books that you're reading now or just like all-time favorites? Like what do you recommend people read? And maybe it's like intake, like blogs or podcasts, but any book suggestions or recommendations? Now you put me on the spot. Right? What are you reading? You should, so tell me. Uh, well, it could be like. I'm reading a, a book on male female communication called You Just Don't Understand by uh, Tannen. So I, that's an idea that I cover in my theory class, but I like the way she thinks. And so I've been reading that for about six months, just a little bit at a time. I read, uh, I've got Wired Magazine that I read. That's kind of technology related stuff. I that has plenty of stuff I disagree with. So they got a perspective of the world that doesn't match my own, but I enjoy reading it. It's I, I want to know what they think and other stuff in there that's that's also interesting to me as well. I subscribe to the Dispatch, which is a kind of newish news. They, it's conservative leaning, but uh, they're subscription based, not uh, advertising based, which changes the way that you write. That you you're not having to search for the latest outrage, right, the clickbait. Uh, so that that's where I, I get a lot of my long form reading. So I get a daily digest from them, and then a couple of their like David French, 
Jonah Goldberg, uh, kind of longer form articles that those are the ones that sometimes skip down in my inbox because I just I don't have time. But I keep them there because there'll be a time when you know, I'm waiting for something or do have nothing to do. It's like, oh, I've got a couple of things I could read and I got 20 minutes to do it. Probably the most influential book for me. I'm not sure if I want to give this as a recommendation because plenty of people are going to hear this. There's no way I'm reading that. Uh, uh, John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. Now, Calvin's a good example of somebody that we think we know. Right? Calvinism. There, there's so much in Calvin's writing that's surprising and not the caricature Calvin. And it's a worshipful book. It's a, it's a book that yeah, he, he makes arguments that I enjoy. He's kind of sarcastic and biting it sometimes. So it's a mix of things. But there are, there are times when you read it, and even if you're not a Calvinist, it's which I am, but uh, otherwise I probably wouldn't be saying you should go and read Calvin, but don't go anywhere near his ideas. But I mean, that that's influenced my ideas on politics, for example. I wouldn't have expected that. But uh, Calvin writes about the relationship of the Christian to the state. So uh, I used to be really engaged in politics. My, my PhD was in political communication. Uh, when I was an undergrad, I was involved in student politics. Uh, some of my friends went on to national office uh, in Australia. So I was really engaged uh, in politics and there's been a lot happening in politics here right, the last decade or so. Calvin helped, Calvin helped me chill out to show you know, the relationship of this Christian to the state, God's sovereignty. So I don't know how I, how I would have got through the last four or five years without having that kind of balance. And I would not have expected it unless I'd actually gone in and read Calvin. So yeah, that's a book that's kind of two books in most cases when you buy it. But yeah, and that's that's another book that takes you forever to read. But it's broken up into little sections and you can read it any year. And one of the ways I did that was I taught it uh, a few years ago in, in church. I, I and an, another guy taught through the institutes over six months. And so we'd take a, a section at a time. And that's a great way to learn. I'd already read some of it, not the whole thing, but committing to teach it means you, you have to read it. <laughs> And that's what I guess. Have I learned anything from teaching? Yeah, you learn a lot of stuff when you have to teach because uh, you you have to know it or at least know enough to fake it that you know it. You got to own something to be able to talk to people about it, which is why we assign papers. Do you own it well enough to talk about it? So, that's that's my reading. Very cool. That's that's an interesting uh, thought. Owning it, uh, you have to own it to know how to talk about it. That's very cool. You just listened to the first part of this conversation. We hope that you enjoyed it, but be sure to go to the Talk with the Wise podcast to listen to part two. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this conversation edifying and helpful. If you did, please share this episode with anyone you feel could benefit from it. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a review. It really helps us out. Thanks again for listening to the Talk with the Wise podcast.